This is Tim Tapp, the ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host of Tap Into The Truth that you can hear right here, K-Star, ZMA, and the Vera Networks. Command codes verified. Is it a crucial stage? It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people try to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I'm your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee, and so very glad to have you along for the ride. We are live. It is Friday night, and we are doing the thing that we always like to do on Friday nights whenever we can. We are blasting out not only on the regular outlets, but we are live on WCETFM in Columbia, South Carolina. We're live on the lastfrequency.com. We're live on the Vera Networks. We're live on the K Star Talk Radio Network. And we're live on the Zinc Media Arts Radio Network as well. ZMA Radio for short. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to tonight's broadcast. Glad to be here with you. Glad we have all survived 
Independence Day as we get to see the mockery that the leftists make of it. And uh, that's one of the things we're going to be talking about with one of today's guests, Mr. Mark Burrell, will be joining us once more. We're going to be talking about some of the reflections on the founding of the nation as we are perhaps as divided, if not more divided, than we have ever been in our history. I'm beginning to think that we may have surpassed the level of division that uh, existed in the country before the Civil War. Uh, We're certainly getting close. And that's a scary thought, boys and girls, because it's not too late for us to use common sense to take it back. We just have to start teaching our kids how to engage in critical thinking and instill in them the spirit of 1776 instead of letting them buy into the lie that is 1619. Also, I want to give a shout out to AZ, the Arizona anti-hero, hanging out with us in the MeWe chat room. Uh, glad to have you here, AZ. Thank you much. Uh, later in the show, we're going to be joined by... Mr. Ken Crow will be having an extended conversation with Ken as he's got some uh, updates that he wants to bring us. And then I've got some topics that I want to talk to with him uh, as well. So we'll do that strike the balance thing. And I'm going to... I'm going to do everything I can to keep him as long as we can. I'm always kind of sneaky about it. As soon as Ken let me know the first time that he was willing to hang out as long as he was needed, I like to take full advantage of it since then. So, Ken, if you're already listening, uh, I hope you're ready. We're going to have some fun tonight, too. Uh, Obviously, before we get started, though, I need to uh, right out the gate tell you a little bit about uh, my favorite number one sponsor, Okay, well, I really shouldn't pick favorites. They're number one because they were first on board. We're talking about four patriots, of course. These guys have great products. If you need survival food kits, if you need backup emergency electricity, if you just need water filtration, whatever it is you're looking for to help you to be self-reliant, which is an important stepping stone in truly enjoying the blessings of individual liberty because – If you're going to enjoy individual liberty, you have to have individual responsibility. And a big part of being responsible is being self-sufficient. For Patriots goes the extra mile to help you to be self-sufficient in the event of an emergency. So all I'm asking you to do is to go visit fourpatriots.com, see what they've got to offer. Obviously, I'm really partial to the uh, sidekick that I'm still testing out here, and it's been phenomenal. Uh, I'm also enjoying the food. The food's not just survival kit stuff. It tastes great. Uh, It really does. been having to fight to keep it. Stop trying to eat up all my survival food oh well uh, no so that's been the fight here it's just a lot of good stuff just go visit fourpatriots.com and then once you're there and you see something you absolutely positively have to have don't forget to use promo code tap that's t-a-p-p at checkout save yourself 10 percent and under bidenomics who doesn't need a discount Uh, 10%, take it, use it, run with it. Bidenomics is killing us all. All right. With that having been said, uh, let's get to our first topic. Cocaine in the White House. Somebody's having a party. Whoo-wee. All right. We'll talk a little bit more about the more serious aspects of what's going on with cocaine in the White House. But I've already... Some, uh, comments on social media. Some of the listeners, they they thought I should have talked about it during the fourth uh, show. 
uh, on Independence Day. They thought I should have talked about it back on the second when it was first breaking news. And uh, I haven't said too much about it because the story keeps changing. It keeps evolving. And to be true, uh, truthful, we can't say with any certainty that it's actually Hunter Biden's cocaine. And I put it exactly like that because just like a lot of you, naturally, that's the first thing I thought. The guy is known to have had a cocaine problem. The guy has admitted it freely. We know these things to be – he's been hanging out, living in the White House, and there's a couple of things that are kind of working against the narrative, though. Now they, they've changed it from being in the library to being in the West Wing, in a workstation, in a coat closet. Now it's back in a workstation. Now if it isn't an actual workstation, well, that's a good argument against uh, it being Hunter's because when has Hunter ever actually done real work? And beyond that, he's not a novice anymore. You know, if if you're a functional cocaine kind of guy, and he moved on to crack, so he he's back to the regular cocaine, all this is going to do is jazz him up. He's not likely to leave his party stash laying around, all right? And beyond that, he knew he was about to head out for the weekend to Camp David. He, he was heading out with Joe, evidently. Evidently, Hunter must be nursemaiding Joe at a time because we all know that Dr. Jill Biden, the greatest doctor of all time, uh, according to the left, uh, we know she's not doing anything to take care of him. In fact, at some point, I would be surprised if she's even hanging out, period. But regardless, one thing we do know with absolute certainty, the longer they try to cover up the more likely it is that it is a member of the Biden family who owned this cocaine. Because otherwise, they, if it was some low-level staffer, and make no mistake about it, <laughs> Hunter Biden is not the only person in, around, or working in the White House that has a cocaine habit. I promise you that. These young go-getters, ooh, take a little nose candy and get all jazzed up and go get the work done. Ends justify the means and all. That's what leftists do. But the longer they have to cover it's, it's clearly not a low-level guy. They would have made the sacrificial lamb. They would have cut uh, ties immediately. They would have shown how serious they are about law and order and, and how terrible it is to have that in a place where Hunter is when he's still fighting his terrible addiction. So we at least know that it's somebody a little higher up in the food chain. I don't buy into this notion that they don't already know who it is, and you shouldn't either. I, we've heard the argument. It's like, well, yes, there's surveillance cameras, but, uh, you know, it's possible where it was at that um, they might not have seen it unless they were just waving it around. I'm sorry. Who's waving around a, a, just a baggie of cocaine? Uh, it's just nuts. Uh, I, we'll, we'll find out. But the longer it takes, the more important this individual is. And if we never get an answer, we know that it was someone with the last name Biden. Uh, maybe Hunter. Maybe Joe. I mean, uh, those few occasions we've seen him look, you know, quasi there uh, in the evenings. I'm thinking about State of the Union Address. You know that first 20 minutes where he almost seemed like his older self? Um, yeah, that wasn't 
accomplished without the aid of pharmaceuticals of some kind. And it's entirely possible that uh, maybe maybe Joe figured out that uh, yeah, uh, Hunter was on to something. After all, he keeps saying Hunter was the smartest guy he knows. <laughs> oh, I just – I don't – I don't appreciate, however, the difference in the tone in the reporting. That, that's, to me, the big thing. Uh, it's so irritating because what do we see? We get uh, hosts and anchors on CBS and CNN and MSNBC joking about it. Oh, it's so funny. Ha, ha, ha. Cocaine in the White House. Whereas if we were to travel back in time just a few meager years and – there was someone with the last name Trump in the White House, and, and cocaine was found in the White House then. Well, it, the sky would be falling. Uh, the world would be coming to an end. Uh, the Russian collusion and Vladimir Putin hand-delivered the cocaine uh, to Donald Jr. Uh, that would be the extent of what we'd be getting. It would be just absolute raining freaking fire from the sky. You would think the world would be coming to an end, seriously. But, I oh, know, it's funny. Now, I guess there is some level of humor, all things considered. I, but I myself am more offended, quite honestly. I, how much more can the left denigrate and belittle the White House? I mean, uh, Bill Clinton belittled the White House with his antics with Monica. I mean, go get yourself a five-star hotel if you just got to to behave in such a fashion, right? Don't do it in the White House. Uh, we got Obama hanging out with Snoop Dogg, lighting up blunts. You know, we, we've got all kinds of... Why is nothing sacred anymore? I mean, they pretend like the Capitol's sacred when there's a insurrection, but at the end of the day, it's still just politics, and it's ridiculous, and there is nothing left sacred. And that's part of what has us so divided, and that's part of what we'll be talking about here momentarily when Mark Brunel joins us. And he will be joining us here in just a little bit. Uh, thankfully, uh, he's uh, going to be spending some time talking to us, and I, I just – I can't help myself but – but to, to lean into this because we are talking about a level of division that is excessive. We just celebrated Independence Day, and you can even tell how divided we are based on how we celebrate Independence Day. If you are more conservative-minded, whether you identify as being a conservative or not, you are out enjoying traditions. You are enjoying the fact that we get to live in a nation that is still essentially, for the most part, free because it's based in liberty. And a lot of us who have put in the effort have the ability to engage in full-blown freedom, and that is a beautiful thing. The left, they complain. Everything is wrong about America. Everything is just so terrible, and I keep asking the question, and I know I'm not the only one. If it's so bad, why do we have so many people trying so desperately to get here? If it's so bad, if it's so racist, if it's so broken, if it's so systemically messed up, 
Why do so many people want to be? Why don't they leave? Point to me one place that's better. Go ahead. I'll wait. You can start now, and I will give you, for the remainder of your life, if you can figure out a place that is better to be than the United States of America, let me know. And and hey, uh, if you can convince me it's true, I'll start a a whole movement to get folks together, and we'll just all go together. The thing is, there isn't. There isn't a place that's better. For all of our faults, for all of our issues, for all of the dark chapters that we have faced. (laughs) Lucky. (laughs) Not real sure why Doug's showing me his lucky hat. I guess he's lucky to be in America. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's what I'm getting. Uh, But luck has nothing to do with it. It's predestined, Doug. It's just... It's It just really, really sticks in my crawl, the fact that we have people out there whining. We had an R&B singer. I don't know if you guys saw this headline. I don't want to go too far down, and it's not one of the main topics tonight. But she was supposed to be singing the Star Spangled Banner, and she started adding a bunch of uh, just anti-American propaganda about slavery and people being treated badly and just really, really bad, terrible, horrible, no good stuff. And it occurs to me that the people that whine the most about the United States are people that typically have not spent any time outside of it. They're people that typically have uh, a lack of critical thinking, which again was part of the efforts from the left. That's part of the plan. If you don't teach children how to use critical thinking, then they just start parroting whatever they hear from an authority figure that they respect. And if that authority figure is in on the con, if they're in on the grift, if they're somebody like an Ibram X. Kendi or now all of a sudden I'm drawing a blank on the chick's name that wrote the 1619 Project uh, where ordinarily it's on the tip of my tongue all the time, but if, if you're part of this group, If you make your living, if you are important only because you race bait, then you are in a perfect prime position as long as the people that you're talking to, that you're lecturing to, that you're getting to buy into your stuff aren't capable of critical thinking. And critical thinking is a skill. For those of us who grew up being taught critical thinking from the beginning, it comes so naturally we don't even think about it. But it is a skill, and it must be taught, and that's one of the places that we as actual patriots of this country really need to improve and elevate our game. We've got to stop being so quick to to call names and point fingers and just throw our hands in the air and want to yell, and we need to be more patient with the people that are actually victims of indoctrination as opposed to the people that are engaged in doing the indoctrinating. There are differences. Not everybody that leans to the left is an enemy of the country. They just don't know any better, and it is our responsibility to do what we can to reach out and bring them back, instill some common sense. Because if all you do is teach them how to think critically, then the, the juxtapositions of the left all fly apart on their own. You don't have to do much more than that. Just teach them how to think critically and then ask them about one topic. 
And if they do their own research, they'll come to their own conclusions and they'll realize how wrong the left – because that's what always used to happen to, to all of us, right? If you are 45 or older, you probably fell into the same pattern that a lot of us did. When we were young, uh, late teens, early 20s, we're bleeding hearts that want to change the world, and we think the government should to do more to help the people who can't help themselves and – so on and so forth. You've heard the saying that uh, in your 20s, if you're not a bleeding heart, you're, you're not human. And uh, it, once you get into your late 30s, early 40s, if you haven't become a conservative, then you haven't been paying attention. And that's kind of the deal. You start to learn when tough love is the only appropriate love. You start to learn that people are not going to have respect uh, for the sanctity of life, they're not going to have respect for other people if they don't have some self-respect, and they can't respect themselves if they don't have a sense of accomplishment, if they don't do things and see, hey, look at that. I did that. I built that. I made that happen. You have to have that in your life, and now participation trophies have taken that away from so many people. You got – People that are in their late 20s now who have never experienced actual accomplishment. And isn't that sad? I mean, it's tragic. It's more tragic than a 50-plus-year-old Hunter Biden who still can't seem to get his stuff together, who literally has to pretend like somehow giving some paintings to a baby mama – makes up for the fact that they're reducing how much child support is going to be paying. And, oh, yeah, by the way, you can't let my little four-year-old daughter uh, use the last name Biden. <clears throat> how sad is that? I mean, Hunter knows the value of the name. Uh, any monetary gain, any positive thing that's ever happened to him in his life has been because of the name Biden. And illegitimate or not, this little girl is his daughter. It's been proven. The DNA tests have happened. And now we live in a time where staffers in the White House are being told, Joe Biden has six grandchildren, not seven. Corinne Jean-Pierre, worst, worst secretary ever. Uh, here she is, the press secretary. And I thought Circleback Saki was bad, but man, oh man, whole new bar. Corinne uh, Jean-Pierre, historic. She, she calls herself that. She is historic. She's historically bad. Just obnoxious uh, that this as a, a – what kind of a hire – a diversity hire, sure, but it's so much more than just a diversity hire. Uh, yeah, she's historic, historically bad. She refuses to say anything in regards to the cocaine bear that moved into the White House. And, and to me, that would be – have you guys seen Cocaine Bear, by the way? It's a, it's a fun movie. It's not great cinema, but it's a fun movie. Uh, I, I have a feeling that Hunter Biden is probably friends with real-life Cocaine Bear. And so Cocaine Bear has moved into the White House, right? Corinne Jean-Pierre will not talk about Cocaine Bear and – Corinne Jean-Pierre will not talk about grandchild numbers. It's – she can't. I would love 
for her to remember that she's actually supposed to work for us, the American people, in informing us what's going on with the policies of the White House. She's not actually supposed to be a spin doctor for the administration, but we know that's the way the job's been treated for several administrations now. But wouldn't it be great if press secretary actually did the job like it's supposed to? It would be phenomenal. All right, we're getting really, really close to mid-hour break time, and uh, I, I want to see if I can keep Doug on his toes by sliding a little early. But before we uh, do the mid-hour break, I do want to remind you about something that's extremely vital. All right, It's extremely vital that you not become a victim of tyranny, and the surest path to tyranny is to give up your guns. The fastest way to become a victim of a crime is to not have your firearm with you when you need it. And that's why, if you're like me, as a gun owner, it is a mistake if we buy a holster that is so uncomfortable that we stop carrying. Now, I've been there. I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm telling you, this has happened to me. But you see... It's that comfort factor that is, in fact, one of the reasons why Vanish Holsters is quickly becoming one of the most popular holsters in the country. They have thousands of customers that will swear to you that they are the most comfortable holster, period. And a lot of these same folks are saying that if you start using Vanish Holsters, you'll never stop carrying. And that is probably the most important thing for you should that terrible, horrible, no-good day arrive where you are faced with a situation where you have to defend yourself, defend your family, defend your neighbors, whatever it may be. Do not put yourself at the disadvantage of not having your firearm with you. Check out Vanish Holsters right now. Until the end of this month, July, you still can cash in on a 50% discount if you visit them at www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. Fifty uh, a $50 discount till the end of July. Now, there's still going to be a discount after that, but it's not going to be as big. Bidenomics is catching up with Vanish Holsters, too. So if you want to take full advantage of that $50 discount, go visit now. One more time, that's www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P to automatically activate that $50 discount. Do it before the end of the month. I, I know we're still early in July, but the month goes by faster than you think. Go visit them right now, and uh, don't go anywhere because on the other side, we'll be joined by Mr. Mark Burrell. Doug, take it away. Gregory Wrightstone here, uh, Executive Director at the CO2 Coalition, best-selling author of Inconvenient Facts, expert reviewer for the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. You're listening to me on Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth. So rock me, mama, like a wagon wheel. Rock me, mama, any way you feel. Hey, mama, rock me. Rock me.
When I was growing up in Cleveland, my mom often told me to eat what was good for me because we are what we eat. Today, mom's advice is more important than ever. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Rumor has it that today, no matter how hard you try to shop for and eat the right foods, in order to either maintain or improve your health, according to rumors, reports, and what I have witnessed, what you think is a healthy food item or a harmless snack may not be the case. Just recently, my wife picked up from Whole Foods what was supposed to be healthy grass-fed beef that's good for us, right? Wrong. Well, guess what? I found out when I discovered in the smallest print on the label that the grass-fed beef was loaded up with brown sugar. Hmm, as bad as sugar is for our health, why on earth would Whole Foods sell beef loaded up with sugar? Also, according to reports, Nestle, Pepsi, Aquafina, McDonald's, and too many other food manufacturers to mention here infuse their consumer products with aborted fetal tissue. My fellow Americans, if you can grow your own food or make friends with a friendly farmer, do so. Your health may depend on it. I'm Ron Edwards. Bye now. These stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. The challenge we all have is that as you work and you grow in your career, you have to put something aside for yourself when you retire around 65 years old. And the idea of Beanstalks is to simplify that whole process. In other words, put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key, the idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly. But the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Bean stocks just makes it really simple to do. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acidic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Introducing Einstock. Drink. Conquer. Repeat. Skull. Einstock beer is a globally distributed, award-winning Icelandic craft beer. Einstock is created from the Icelandic water that flows from glaciers through lava fields and delivers some of the purest water on Earth. Knowing that beer is 95% water, 
we sourced the first and most vital ingredient from the local springs of a mountain that stands guard over the town of Akiari, just 60 miles south of the Arctic Circle. Einstock beer is crafted with locally sourced ingredients, and the brewery runs from 100% renewable energy sources, geothermal, and hydropower. Einstock has become the number one craft beer and also the number one alcohol export from Iceland. Here in the United States, you can find Einstock beer on the shelves at retail chains like ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, Bemmo, Cost Plus World Market, HEB in Texas, Kroger, Publix, Target, Total Wine, Trader Joe's, and Whole Foods, just to name a few. So won't you raise a glass and drink, conquer, repeat, skull. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn U.N. This is Mark Burrell from Defend American Liberty, and you're listening to Tim Tapp and Tapping to the Truth. Here comes the sun, here comes the sun, I say it's all right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Thank you so very much for staying with us through that very brief break. Before we start talking to Mark Burrell, I do want to remind you one more time about our friends over at Native Path. Right now, they're promoting an Antarctic krill supplement that, uh, well, you know, in this day and age, you got to take your own health into your own hands. And if you're worried about your heart, your memory, or swollen, achy joints like I was, this Antarctic krill supplement could help put an end to issues with all three. It's been shown to support healthy blood pressure, circulation, brain health, as well as reduce inflammation, swelling, and joint pain. Uh, and there's never been a better time for you to try it for yourself. Just go to Fix Swollen feet.com to get 58% off native path antarctic krill this krill oil is pure it's effective it's bioavailable that just means it's easy for your body to absorb and to use it and it contains potent antioxidants that help reduce inflation and swelling for a limited time you can grab native path antarctic krill oil for as low as 23 dollars a bottle uh, this bottle carries 30 uh, in it basically a month's supply if you're taking one a day you can take up to two and I can't promise you that it's going to work miracles for you, but what I can tell you is that for my joints, the issues I was having, it has been working very well for me. And I, I really don't know what else to tell you. Uh, just, again, uh, check it out. That's all I've ever asked you to do for these sponsors is just go visit, see what they've got going on, and then decide for yourself. One more time, visit FixSwollenFeet.com. Still not 
getting over that website name, but uh, go visit it and see what's going on. Uh, take your health into your own hands. Nobody else is going to take care of you for you any better than you can. All right, now, it's my honor and privilege to welcome back to the show the author of Rediscovering the American Covenant, The Roadmap to Restore America. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Mr. Mark Burrell. Mark, thank you so much for joining us tonight. As always, it's an honor to have you here. How are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. All right. Well, you know, initially I'd hoped to get together with you last Friday as we were going into the Independence Day weekend, and uh, things kind of got away, and I wasn't able to do the show, and uh, it's sad that we missed that opportunity, but it was a topic we were going to discuss that I think is still so very important, and it's still a very good topic to discuss even now because we do need to reevaluate how do we get back to appreciating this country, and a lot of it is based in faith, and, and that is literally the whole purpose of the Rediscovering the American Covenant. But uh, you've been making this argument for a while, even before you wrote the book. Uh, so let's start with the obvious questions. Uh, clearly, we are divided as a nation to near historical levels. Uh, I've heard some people say oh, we haven't been this divided since the civil rights movement. Uh, I think it's much more akin to how we were divided before the Civil War, and I think we're getting to a tipping point where it may actually be getting worse than that division because some people are so dead set on ignoring obvious facts, but it does start – I think, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, I think it really starts from this lack of faith. We, we've seen uh, church uh, attendance dropping to historic lows, and I think it really affects American exceptionalism because I think a big part of American exceptionalism was based on the fact that this was, uh, for all intents and purposes – a divine experiment, not just uh, about liberty, but also about what God wanted as far as an example for the rest of the world. Yeah, that, that's right. When you look at what happened, <clears throat> pardon me, back in 1776, the founders were sort of up against it. And the question was, how do you separate from an immoral king? And, uh, and what they ended up doing is turning to their faith. And looking to the Bible, specifically looking to how God formed the nation of Israel and asking the question, how do we do this? And, uh, and they followed the process that God gave us through the example of Israel, sort of brokered through Moses, which is a four-step process. He, he uh, had the Israelites first acknowledge his moral law. You know, Moses came down with the Ten Commandments and, uh, and agree in order to uh, receive God's blessing, to govern in a way that honors him. They appealed to him for help. They committed by offering sacrifices and actually built an altar at the time, which was their way of declaring it to the world. And now they were out in the wilderness when they did this. But, but that's the four-step process. You acknowledge God. You appeal to God for help. You commit to the custom of the day, and you declare it. And now that I've shared that with you, you can see how the founders found, followed that template to the letter when they wrote the Declaration. The first two paragraphs talk about 
the, the law of nature and of nature is God, with, which is a direct reference back to the moral law summarized by the Ten Commandments. And the second paragraph talks about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The last paragraph, they, they say, uh, with a um, firm reliance on the divine providence for the rectitude of our intentions, or no, appealing to the supreme judge of the world, that's what it was, for the rectitude of our intentions, which means truthfulness of our intentions. And then the last paragraph, they committed to it. And so this was a contract, Tim. This was, this was not a Dear John letter to King George. This was following the biblical template, rooted in their faith. And, and this great truth has been lost in the modern church. And uh, instead, the modern church has largely accepted the progressive narrative that we're terrible. And that if we stand up for God, we violate some fictitious separation of church and state. And, uh, and we're unloving and intolerant if we call out sinful behavior. So yeah, you're, you're right over the target. And, and that's the point of the book, Rediscovering the American Covenant. Yeah, yeah. I, there's so much about this, the Declaration of Independence that so many people don't know. And, and it's a shame. Uh, I spent some time uh, kind of going over uh, some of the original drafts and, and getting to do the comparison to see the differences. And, and a lot of the division we have now has been based on race. And, and those political leftists who want to discredit and destroy the Constitution because it's an obstacle to them gaining power, they can't use what the rest of the world has used to divide the people of the country, which has always been caste system. Because here, we set up a system where there was upward mobility. You weren't locked into one place. So they had to find something else to divide us with, and they've decided race is as good as any. And unfortunately, it's probably more effective than the caste system has been in other places. Uh, but they've done this. But when you look at the original drafts, there was a concerted effort uh, by the, the founders, the framers of the Constitution. They wanted to end slavery right at the jump. But they also had to make sure that we guaranteed that we were unified moving forward. And despite the lies of the 1619 Project and what folks of that ilk would have you believe, we're, there were two states – that did not want to include phrasing that would have ended slavery immediately. Just two. Two out of 13, that's a small percentage. But when you look at trying to make this decision, the, the founders knew that no matter how, they, how long they had to wait, that this would still set into motion freedom and liberty for everyone because that's the precept, again, the idea and the notion of God's love. And this was basically a reflection. I firmly believe not only was it divinely inspired, but I think it was intentional on Jefferson's part to reflect all of the Christian Judeo values. Yeah, my favorite line from the first draft is instead of the phrase self-evident truths, he mm -hmm. said sacred and undeniable. But that yes. was too many words for Franklin, so he simplified. So it, it, it reads a little bit better. But I sort of like the sacred and undeniable verbiage from Jefferson's original draft. And to your point, when they uh, wrote that document, the, they had 27 charges in the final draft. But in the first draft, they had that additional 28th charge, which starts with he has waged cruel war against a people far away from him. And, of course, that whole paragraph was dealing with slavery.
And while they had to take it out, to your point, they, uh, they did a lot with the Constitution in order to address that. And uh, the three-fifths clause, for instance, is one of the most misunderstood. And again, the far left likes to twist what that actually meant. And, uh, and what it meant was they were trying to restrict the legislative power that the pro-slavery South would have in the new federal Congress. And so instead of 30,000 citizens for a representative, they raised it to 50,000. That's where you get the three-fifths. And the whole idea there was to incent the Southern states to free their slaves, because as soon as they would have done that, they would have gained more representation in the, the new Congress. And uh, if you look at the numbers, I actually did this, and I do this in the book, the numbers of representatives based on three-fifths clause versus you know, uh, five-fifths or some equal distribution, the percentage of representation from the pro-slavery South, uh, I'm trying to remember the table, it's in the book, it's in the Q&A section in the back, but I think it was 30, uh, 38% with the three-fifths clause was from the pro-slavery South. And if they had not had the three-fifths clause, it would have been 50-50, which meant it would have been very difficult to pass the Northwest Ordinance, which also forbids slavery in the, in the territories, which by the way is where the government had jurisdiction. They did not have jurisdiction in the states, but they did in the federal territories. And so they outlawed slavery there right from the get-go. Uh, and, and so many more measures to put slavery on the path to extinction in, in Lincoln's words. But, but a lot of this, these key arguments, uh, the common Christian does not have. And this is exactly why I wrote the book. I, I tried to explain the theology behind the founding, which I mentioned earlier. And then I have all this Q&A for all these excuses that, uh, or you know, fake arguments that are levied against the founding generation to try and you know, demean and dismirch what they did. Uh, I give the rebuttal. And so I, I encourage folks to get that, get it for your pastor, your church board, and say, hey, read this. There's a theological argument here that says I ought to be engaged. <laughs> and hopefully you can start that conversation with your church leadership. Yeah. And, and I think now more than ever, that level of engagement is so necessary because uh, you mentioned earlier there, there's so many churches that have kind of bought into the leftist mentality and mindset that somehow you're being cruel if you don't actually stand up and point out uh, behaviors as labeled in the gospels uh the the simple notion of uh love the sinner hate the sin it just doesn't seem to fly anymore. Nobody buys into the, oh, you're just a bigot, you're hateful, you're whatever. And that's so far from the truth because it's it's always bugged me that people can't get the very simple understanding. It's something as simple as Christmas. You know, a few years back, uh, and I'm sure you remember this, Mark, uh, there was this huge bugaboo about, okay, well, uh, you're not allowed to say Merry Christmas. You can say Happy Holidays because that's inclusive, but Merry Christmas is offensive. And it's, it's, to my mind, if I'm a Christian 
And it doesn't matter if you're Jewish or Hindu or whatever you may be. If I'm wishing you a Merry Christmas, that means I'm wishing you the most positive things that I can. And as a Christian, if I'm going to to try to reach out to you and, and be an example, then I have an obligation. If I believe you're engaged in behavior that's going to hurt your soul I have to say something about it. I have to call it out or else I'm not doing you any favors and I'm certainly not living up to the expectations uh, that uh, Jesus laid out biblically. So uh, how do we bridge this gap? I, I know your book goes a long way towards helping, but for the folks that haven't had a chance to read it yet, what's the starting point, Mark? Yeah, so the subtitle is Roadmap to Restore America. And what I show in the last chapter, there's 11 chapters all together, uh, I ask the question, so what can we learn from Israel about God's plan for how to restore a wayward nation? And if you, if you know your Old Testament, uh, you know that Israel had a lot of really lousy kings. They had a couple of good civil leaders, though. For instance, Josiah, who lived in the 7th century B.C., and Nehemiah, who lived in the 5th century B.C., he was the one that came back to rebuild the wall. Both of these civil leaders, when they were uh, getting ready to uh, uh, really start their reign or they wanted to, to improve their station, they brought all the people together. They read the covenant aloud. So they read the first five books of the Bible, often referred to as the, the Law of Moses or the Book of the Law, uh, or we call it the Pentateuch, the first five books. They read that aloud, and included in that is the covenant in Exodus that Moses led the children of Israel through, and they realized that they needed to recommit. And that's exactly what they did in both those situations. And when they did that, God blessed their reign for a season, because this is something, Tim, that you have to do ongoing. It's almost like a great comparison, by the way, is your, your wedding. Just like I talked about, you know, acknowledge, appeal, commit, declare. That's what they did with the founding. We also did that when we all got married, for those of us who are married. Uh, and, and it's the same process because communities are made up of families. And a family is a, is a legal contract. When a man and a woman get married, it's a covenant. So you follow the same approach. And so just like you celebrate your, your wedding anniversary, or at least you should, uh, what you're doing in many cases is reaffirming with your spouse that, you know, you love them and you're glad you're married to them and all those great things. And that's what we're supposed to do on July 4th. And, uh, yeah, you're right. We were, we were trying to connect before the 4th uh, because that is the time to reflect. Now, you can continue to uh, reflect on the, on the 4th all year long. Obviously, I, I think we're going to have to as we wrestle with our national identity and who we are as Americans. Uh, but for the 4th of July, that's like our anniversary. And what we started doing as a family is actually reading the Declaration aloud. Uh, we've, I've got four children and a bunch of grandchildren. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's touching when, and moving when you explain what the document is and then you read it aloud. And my grandchildren are old enough now to start to ask questions. And uh, it's just a wonderful thing to be able to explain to them this incredible blessing that we have in America. Yeah. 
it sounds to me like the uh, starting point to kick off a good old-fashioned revival, Mark, and uh, that's a great way to do it. Uh, that's also been why I've been so adamant about uh, this travesty of pulling down Civil War monuments because that's the conversation starter. That's where we get to point at a a dark chapter of American history and discuss what went wrong, what went right, and see how far we've come together and how much closer we are to fulfilling and living up to all the promises that were made in the Declaration and in the Constitution and in the letters and correspondence that the framers sent back and forth as they tried to create the base core principles of the nation that, again, mirror so much of what Christianity should look like. Uh, it is astounding how many people still today do not understand the link between liberty and biblically informed principles. Uh, Mark, you've been very gracious with your time. Uh, real quick, any final thoughts you'd like to share uh, this evening? I was thinking earlier about you were likening our current situation to uh, the Civil War. And I think we're we're almost more like the Revolutionary War because unlike the Civil War where you had geographical you know, lines of demarcation, during the uh, revolution, you had your neighbor on either side who could be a loyalist. And, uh, and so that's more where we are today. You don't know if your neighbor's a progressive or not. And uh, uh, this is why we, in my opinion, we've got to turn this matter over to God, which is uh, to recommit. And that's what I'm trying to do with the book, Tim, and trying to start a movement to have this national conversation about who are we as Americans. And that is fully bound up in the Declaration of Independence. All right. Real quick, remind everybody where they can find your work. Uh, feel free to share any websites that you'd like to. And if you're still inviting people to follow you on social media, feel free to share any handles and what platforms you can be found on. Yeah, so uh, I have a website, defendamericanliberty.com, hopefully memorable. And you can buy my book there and you can learn more about me. You can also reach out to me. I, I'm working with churches. Um, you know, my focus right now is I'm trying to help Christians rediscover this area of their faith. Uh, you can also buy Defend America or uh, Rediscover the American Covenant on uh, uh, Amazon, wherever books are sold. Uh, and if you do that, I'd love if you could leave a review so we could get the algorithms to help, help me out a little bit <laughs> with pushing the book. You know how that works. Uh, but yeah, please uh, look me up, and if you'd like me to have, uh, come talk to your church or even just a phone call with your pastor or your, some of your elders, I'm happy to do that. That's uh, that's what I'm trying to do with the book. All right. Mark, again, thank you so much both for your flexibility and your willingness to come here and talk with us. I appreciate your time. I know uh, a lot on your plate, sir, and uh, all I can say is keep up the good work and Godspeed to you, sir. I can't wait till we get a chance to get together and talk again. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, that was, of course, Mr. Mark Burnell. Uh, again, if you haven't already picked up a copy of Rediscovering the American Covenant, uh, it is a book that should be in every conservative's library, regardless of where you're at as far as your uh, walk in faith. Uh, 
because this will help strengthen that walk. But it also is going to show you why the connections are there, why we are a Judeo-Christian nation, despite the best emanations of the left to try to say otherwise. It also goes a long way towards helping you to understand how the spirit of 1776 kicks the backside of the notions of 1619. Everything that the left tells you in their efforts to keep us divided is a lie, and this is a great piece of the puzzle that helps you to see exactly that. And again, like we were discussing, I intentionally kept it kind of vague uh, when we're talking about the original draft of the uh, Declaration of Independence. It's readily available. You can go find it. I want to encourage you to go see for yourself. And I love the fact that Mark was able to pull out uh, specifics that are uh, demonstrates that he's clearly seen it too. And it is so important in understanding and being able to debunk the arguments of the left, especially Miss Nicole Hannah-Jones, whose name for some reason I couldn't think of earlier, and her wonderful work of fiction that has somehow made her special. This nation is not a nation built on slavery. It was a nation from its inception that was looking to end it because the founders of this country, the framers of the Constitution, the people that signed the uh, – was basically a death warrant to them because if they were to be caught at that point, they knew they'd be executed. The Declaration of Independence, it was a breakup letter, but it was so much more than that, and most importantly – it was clinical. It was well thought out, and there was very little anger that was expressed in it. It was just laying out the case. This is reason one why we have to separate. This is reason two, and chief among them are the very things that the folks are trying to use to keep us separated today, and they're brainwashing young people left and right into thinking that it's true. Couldn't be further from the truth, and – Thankfully, there's still enough original documents out there that we can see for ourselves, despite the left's best interest uh, effort to get rid of that. They don't want critical thinking to last, and they don't want you to be able to look and see for yourself the steps we've taken. They want to memory hole it. They, you know, we read uh, 1984. And we see a dystopian future we have to guard against and fight against. The left read 1984 and saw it as a playbook to throw on top of Cloward and Piven. Anyway, let's go ahead and reset the hour. I know Doug is anxiously awaiting to do that. And on the other side, after <laughs> he says, well, you know, I'm doing – I'm just here. I'm doing whatever. Uh, on the other side of the reset, we'll be joined by Mr. Ken Crow, and uh, we'll see if we can't lighten the mood a bit and have a little bit of fun. After all, we did just celebrate the nation's birthday. Got good reasons to feel good, too. So uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Matt Fitzgibbons from PatriotMusic.com, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth.
This is Tim Tapp, the ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host of Tap Into The Truth that you can hear right here, K-Star, ZMA, and the Vera Networks. America, this is Ken Crow with Conservative Daily Briefing, and you are listening to Tim Tap Tap Into the Truth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, we got the thunder rolling, and we are Back in Black and all those other great stuff. It's Friday night, guys. We're diving headlong into hour number two of what is quickly becoming two of the fastest hours in uh, weekend programming period. At least it feels that way to me because we just got started a few minutes ago, right, guys? If you're listening live, thank you so very much for being here. If you're listening to the podcast later on, uh, thank you for listening as well. Uh, just Understand that you are cordially invited to come join us live any Friday night that you like. Now, I get Friday nights can be busy. For a lot of you, it might be date night. And that's the great thing about the podcast is you don't have to miss it. You can hear all the great conversations we've had after the fact. Now, one of the other things I am still asking folks to do, though, I need to hear from you so far. I haven't got a lot of response. The number one platform that folks listen to the podcast on hands down, almost 90 to 1, is Stitcher. And that's great. It's gotten to the point where I have rarely even shared this the podcast on social media to link to any other platform because it's just the one you guys keep listening to. But we've got a problem, and if you are a regular Stitcher listener, you already know what I'm about to tell you. Stitcher is going away. Uh, they've been bought out by SiriusXM. Uh, SiriusXM had already bought Pandora. They're thinking, why do we have two separate platforms for podcasts? So it's just going away. So what I need for you guys to do, if you're a regular podcast listener, is please uh, hop on social media, whatever platform you want to reach out to me, and let me know what platform you would like me to start sharing after Stitcher goes away. I'm going to keep doing it all the way up until August 29th. That is literally the last day they're on air because you guys love it. I love it. I love Stitcher. That's where I like to listen to my podcast too, the ones that I listen to. Definitely going to miss it. Uh, but, yeah, please let me know. Just tell me. What's it going to be? That's all I need to know. Meanwhile, before we bring Ken on, I definitely want to remind you one more time as we try to do this once an hour. Our friends over at 4 uh, those guys are fantastic. I'm still just having nothing but amazement at my uh, Patriot Power Sidekick. I have charged it just a couple of times at this point. I use the thing daily when you're not really supposed to do that. You're supposed to keep it for your emergencies. But I'm trying to run it through the paces and, and really be able to 
I continue to be amazed by backup power. Really need to make sure that visit our friends over for Patriots. But the backup emergency power is not the only thing that they've got going on. They've got great survival food kits. They've got water purification. Literally anything you need to be self-sufficient, they got going on. So as always, all I'm asking you to do is to go check it out. Visit fourpatriots.com. Once you get there, if you do see something that you absolutely positively have to have, when you place that order, be sure to use promo code TAP, that's T-A-P-P, at checkout. Save yourself 10% because, again, under the age of Bidenomics, who can't use a good discount, right? All right, one more time. That's the number four, patriots.com. Use promo code TAP, T-A-P-P, to get yourself that 10%. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor and distinct pleasure to once again welcome back to the show a true American patriot. He has been an activist uh, for as long as many people have even had a political career. He loves this country, and most importantly, he puts his money where his mouth is, and he gets out there on the front lines and fights for campaigns, and he's got the website where he constantly lets you know what's going on in the country along with his uh, – uh, opinion occasionally thrown in. He offers solutions, not just complaints. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Mr. Ken Crow. Ken, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been way too long since we've gotten together, but you have been a busy man, haven't you? Oh, I think we may Doug, have lost. Can you hear me? We, we've got you, Ken. Doug. How are you doing, sir? Oh, there you are. Okay. We're. I'm look. I need a Skype teacher. I I am just absolutely. I'm having issues here. Uh, me me and Skype don't gel well. So anyway, how the heck are you, Tim? Well, I'm doing well, my friend. I, I hate that you missed my uh, really uh, good build up intro because I, I think you would have liked it. <laughs> uh, no, all I would have done would have been embarrassed. That's all I would have done. But thank you. I love you, too. Uh, well, we are rocking and rolling in Iowa and uh, across the fruited plain doing politics. What are you up to these days? Yeah, mostly just complaining about Biden. But, uh, you know, that's been a full-time job even. <laughs> <laughs> That ain't very hard. When are you going to do something that's challenging? <laughs> anyway, I will give you deeper. fair warning. I am having horrible sinus issues tonight, and I sound like I have lung cancer. And for that, I apologize, but, but I promise I do not have lung cancer. Anyway, um, yeah, I, it's it's growing season in Iowa, and every year about this time, for about two weeks, I die. I uh, can't breathe. I hack and cough and sound like I have 12 cases of COVID and everything else. So I apologize in advance. Well, for the record, there Ken, you you're go. coming across pretty good at the moment. So uh, we'll hang on there. And, of course, we understand uh, whatever you need to do. But uh, you've been a pretty busy guy here lately, right? Uh, you've got some stuff going on. I've been helping uh, to build some campaigns. Uh Tell me you had a couple of updates. Let's start with some of those updates, and, and then we'll take a closer look at some of the uh, more recent news stories after that. Well, uh, 
I'll tell you, as you well know, the uh, good Lord, where are those pickles or cucumbers, Doug? I can't tell, but they're huge. Doug's got yeah, a handful for my garden. Oh, my word. I'm coming to your house to eat. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, let's see. Where, where to start? I've had conversation. In fact, day before yesterday, I had breakfast with uh, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy's campaign manager and political director. Um, I've got a U.S. Senate candidate. It looks like we're probably going to win the U.S. Senate race in Michigan. We're going to turn that seat red. It's, uh, I don't know if you're aware of what's going on, but Debbie Stabenow served uh, almost 30 years in the U.S. Senate in Michigan. She's a liberal Democrat. Uh, never really done much for Michigan to speak of, but she held the seat and uh, served the country and served in the Senate for the last four or five terms up there. Well, she's stepping aside because she's 104 like Joe. So she's going to step aside and that seat's now open. Well, the, um, the heir apparent to that seat is a lady that used to be a CIA operative who's now started her third term or halfway through her third term in Congress by the name of Elise Slotkin. Well, we're going to dismantle Elise Slotkin. And an interesting thing, Tim, are you still there or did I lose you? No, you're, you're here. You're here. Okay. Keep going. An interesting thing, and, and I bring this up about Michigan because it's not just happening in Michigan. This is happening in other states as well. When Michigan had their Republican uh, conference about six months ago, their big convention in Lansing, the grassroots rose up and threw the establishment out of all that we call the establishment, uh, the old guard, if you will, Republicans, out of all of the managerial prominent positions up to and including state chairman and the whole nine yards. They, they threw them out. 86% of the votes that came in to elect new officials for the state were from grassroots. Well, now there's a coup d'etat going on in Michigan. And th this is hugely critical to the presidential election, this state is. And this is why I'm, I'm dwelling on Michigan for a couple of minutes here. Because without Michigan going red, we're probably not going to win the White House. We have to win Ohio, Michigan. There, there's four states, and we have to win three of them. And that's Wisconsin. Michigan, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. We have to win three of those states to win the White House. That's a, just a mathematical fact, okay? So that's why I'm beating on Michigan for a minute. Uh, but the grassroots took over. Well, unfortunately for the GOP, the party doesn't have any money without the old guard, without the the as we refer to on the right, the rhinos, and I'm doing the air quotes. They're the ones with all the money. Well, it's so bad now that Christine Caramo, who Trump endorsed uh, for running for governor, or was it Secretary of State? Anyway, he loves Christine Caramo. She's now the chairwoman of the Republican Party from Michigan, and she can't raise a dollar. 
In fact, the Republican Party, are you sitting down for this? doesn't even have an office now in the state of Michigan. They were evicted two weeks ago out of their offices in Lansing for non-payment of rent. They can't even afford to pay the rent. They have no money in the bank, and they have this huge conference that is a very big deal. A lot of national people come into it, and you'll have, if it happens, you'll have half of the Republican presidential candidates show up for it. It's a biannual meeting on Mackinac Island, a big Republican conference that's coming up in September and uh, no, the end of the summer. And uh, they can't afford to throw it now. They don't have any money. So the old guard is starving the grassroots out. And you're going to see this happen in state after state after state unless the Grassroots, i.e. Tea Party, Patriots, whatever you want to call us, Trump loyalists, whatever. Unless we're able to figure out how to raise money, we're in trouble. And I had a conversation today with, uh, with, with somebody that's very, very prominent in national politics as a, as a, um, consultant, uh, guru, whatever you want to call us. And he said that the problem is Trump has taken all the money out of the Republican Party, has it in his war chest, and he's supposed to be helping candidates up and down the ballots in various states. He's supposed to be helping them out financially, and he's not. That's the problem. So none of these candidates are able to raise money. Neither are the parties able to raise money. Because Trump's taking it all. I'll shut up now. I'll let you. (laughs) I'm sorry. I get on a rant. This is a legitimate issue that most people probably have no idea is even realistic because most of the money that you expect to see coming in at this point in the campaign process typically would come from the grassroots. Uh, the uh, establishment folks typically try to keep their powder dry till they get into the heat of the election cycle. But it, it is an astounding thing to, to think that they can't even cover rent for the office. That's that's just a, a wow moment to me. And, and there's a tremendous opportunity in Michigan because y- you can't tell me that there's not folks that are – just middle of the road, not really normally Republican voters that are looking to vote Republican this go around now that you have Michigan looking to to install such woke legislation like this bill that they've moved forward, where now if you hurt someone's feelings, you could go to jail. Yeah, uh, I don't know what's worse, that or chest feeding. That the CDC says men should be able to do, but those are other subjects we'll, I guess, get to in a minute. But at, at any rate, the this is going on nationwide. What I said. So, you listening out there, if you got a candidate you like, you need to go directly to their website and support them directly. Not not through the party, not through Donald Trump, not through. I'll tell you something else, and and this is going to open a can of worms, Tim. But I don't think Trump can win the nomination at this point. I really don't. The the media is saying, well, he's got this 
112 point lead on everybody and blah, blah, blah. I don't believe it because everybody I'm talking to, and I talk to some pretty hardcore right wing folks every day. And these people are not supporting him anymore. They're, they're either, uh, they're either listening to, um, Ron DeSantis or they're choosing an alternate because the, the fact of the matter is, I don't know. Did, did, did you ever correct me if I'm wrong? And I'm not sure. Did, did you ever serve in the military? Uh, no, sir. Okay. The reason I'm asking is, is because if you did, one of the first things, believe it or not, when you get to boot camp, it doesn't matter which branch, you get to boot camp and they, of course, teach you how to stand and salute and yes or no, sir, and all that. But one of your first classes, you actually do classroom time for some stuff. One of your first classes is on top secret stuff documents and and information and they teach you do not go to the bar you know loose ships sink ships blah 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 or loose lips sink ships say that five times uh, <laughs> but you go you go to the bar you get drunk and you start talking about your mission tomorrow right well they teach you don't do that and one of the things that they teach you is it does not matter if you've got a top secret security clearance or just a secret or just confidential. It doesn't matter which level you are. If you're looking at a document and you do not have the need to know, those are critical words, need to know. You can have a top secret security clearance, but if you don't have a need to know this information, then you're not going to be told that information, okay? And this is huge. And if you are, whoever told you this information is in a lot of trouble. I mean, this is stuff you go to Leavenworth and break rocks for for the next 20 years. You do not share top secret information under any circumstances. It does not matter who you are to people that do not have the need to know. Right. Well, unfortunately, the president, as you're now aware, goes to Bedminster. Somebody records him sharing the invade, the plans to invade Iran with a reporter and a writer, author, a couple of aides and some more people. And he's on tape doing this. You could take the thing in Manhattan, the thing in Georgia the 916 counts that Jack Smith has filed against him, all of those, throw them out the window. That one item alone, that one thing he did could land him in prison. That is serious, serious stuff. And every veteran in this country knows it. Anybody that's married to a veteran knows it because they've been told by now. And this is what's going to tank him. That one charge in New Jersey, and according to a report last week, Jack Smith's about to file uh, 35 to 50 indictments in New Jersey against him. And th- this is serious. You do not do what he did with that with those documents. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely have felt over the last couple of weeks uh, kind <laughs> of the reality 
of that recording starting to set in. I heard a lot of folks that have defended Trump uh, that are having a hard time squaring that particular circle. But I had kind of already heard a lot of these folks express frustration with Donald Trump and how he's been attacking DeSantis. Not that he is, but in how he's been doing it. He's been coming from the left, and that it almost takes us full circle, Ken. I don't know if you remember when we first started talking about Trump, you were all on board the Trump train, and I was waiting to be convinced. And I right. had concerns because he had been a Democrat registered as such for a long time. He needed to for his business. I get that. Um he didn't seem to have a lot of guiding principles. He was wishy-washy on Planned Parenthood, uh, a lot of things that he got better. He improved uh, and still did a hell of a job as president. There's no question there. Uh, probably best since Reagan, maybe even better than Reagan because he didn't have allies and he didn't make some of the same mistakes Reagan did in trying to, to play patty cakes with the Democrats. But he really kind of – he still feels like he sticks his uh, – you know, stick his finger in his mouth, uh, yeah, wet it, uh, put it up in the air, see which way the wind's blowing, rather than being guided by principles. And that's been a concern for me, and I think more people are starting to see that. And between that and this clear-cut incidence of he him admitting that it was classified data and that he couldn't declassify it at that point, that has been devastating, but it seems to almost be like a slow burn where just more people are coming to it. Has that been kind of the same experience you're getting, or has everybody that you've talked to just kind of turned uh, at the drop of a hat? It's like, oh, no, that's it, changing my mind. Or has it been a slow burn uh, to the folks you've talked it's, to as well? Believe it or not, it's been a little bit of both. Uh, the military people I've talked to said that that that's it, man. I can't I can't do this anymore. I'm going a different direction. Uh, the non-military folks have said, "Wow, I, th this is unbelievable," and even they understand. Even they understand that that this is serious stuff because it has global implications. Iran sitting there saying, you mean you were planning on invading us? <laughs> okay, we'll shoot one of your oil tankers out of the Gulf, which they did the other day. You know, they, they, uh, they're, they're not happy about this either. And then, of course, all of Iran's allies are not, not happy about it. So what Trump did had global implications by that luncheon meeting actually made, made a difference and not in a good way. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a slow burn and I'm seeing some people go throw their hands up and go, man, this is a tragedy. And it is a tragedy because Trump and I agree with you, I, I think Trump historically on things that he did and that Biden has unwound, but things that he did are some of the greatest presidential attributes in our history. I mean, other than George Washington, John Adams, Jefferson, and probably Lincoln, I, I would actually lump Trump into the top six, seven greatest presidents this nation's ever had. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think he, the he was, far, as far as his policies and what he got accomplished and under tremendously adverse. Imagine what he could have done had he not had the Democrat Party the media, and everybody else on the other side fighting him. 
imagine what he could have gotten done. Yeah, if just the Republican Party had been unified behind him instead of half of the party uh, being part of the Never Trump. But, you know, the Abraham Accords alone puts him in top five territory. And it is. It is astounding what he managed to get done, especially knowing the fight he had to do. And it is shameful. Uh, I still think Trump does a lot of damage to Ron DeSantis. And I I think that whoever comes out of the primary comes out pretty bloody. But this does open up a heck of an opportunity, I think, for Vivek Ramaswamy. And you mentioned you were talking to some of their people uh, just the other day. I know we've had uh, uh, some of their folks on the show a a few weeks back, and uh, we were talking about the uh, grassroots efforts and how well that's going. But Vivek has been out there. He's been saying a lot of things that – the parties needed to hear that the American people have been needing to hear, and he's not afraid to uh, throw a truth bomb here or there, but he still doesn't come across as being quite so pugilistic and adversarial as Trump did. So you almost feel like you're you're being talked down to, but in a smart way so you can learn something from it. Does Vivek have a realistic opening here to maybe uh, have a chance to sneak in and become a, a dark horse candidate to take that nomination, do you think? Well, I'm going to tell you, I've got a meeting with him on the 13th. Uh, We're going to a house party together about 15 minutes from my house. And uh, I've got a meeting with him and two of his top lieutenants. And my candidate for the U.S. Senate from Michigan, Ezra Scott, is coming in along with the deputy campaign manager I hired for the campaign. He's coming in as well. And we're having a meeting on, uh, uh, I, I tell you, three. I tell you, that means there's a break in three minutes. Okay. Yes, sir. So yes, I'll, sir. I'll try. Okay. Uh, I'll try to, Doug's showing me his three big finger. That dude's got huge hands. Anyway, um, <laughs> long story short, yeah, we're having a meeting. And uh, a lot of these topics are going to be covered because he wants to hear what I have to say. And uh, we're going to be covering a lot of these topics. And that's one of the comments I made. I said, your guy needs to speak at a ninth grade level. His problem is he's got a, a jurisprudence, a, a jurist degree. He's got a PhD in law and he's got a PhD in microbiology for Harvard and Yale. The dude's got an IQ of 4 million. And that's the level that he currently talks at. And he needs to tone it down a little bit <laughs> and speak speak to us rednecks. Uh, so anyway, uh, we're going to be having a long conversation on the 13th, and I'll report back to you. But, uh, yes, I'll answer your question after the break, how I think he can win. And I All do right. believe he we'll, can win. We'll look at- We'll get that question, and then we'll uh, talk some other topics. In the meanwhile, let's take that uh, mid-hour break right about now, and uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. This is Matt Fitzgibbons. This is Amy Hallam. This is AZ. Sharing the night. Share the night together, yeah. 
The Biden regime hopes to regain the ability to censor those who disagree with its Stalinist way of operation. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Recently, the Biden regime filed an appeal in the Missouri versus Biden censorship case. Federal Judge Terry Doughty issued a preliminary injunction prohibiting Department of Homeland Security, the FBI and other agencies from its government wide fascist conspiracy with big tech to censor speech and manipulate the public on a variety of issues. The federal government censored the Hunter Biden story, Corona China virus lab leak theory, efficiency in Corona China virus shots and other topics. U.S. District Court Judge Terry Doughty found the Biden regime violated the First Amendment by censoring unfavorable views in a blistering 155 page opinion. Gateway Pundit, the lead plaintiff in this historic battle over the right of free speech, has a reason to celebrate, as do all well-meaning Americans, including yours truly. Joe Biden and fellow regime defendants strongly desire to censor some Americans, has filed a notice of appeal in the leftist-leaning Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans. Here's hoping that freedom of speech remains in the winner's circle. I'm Ron Edwards. Bye now. Second Skull is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact-reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. With an estimated 2.8 million Americans sustaining a traumatic brain injury each year and a half a million children being treated in the ER each year for a head injury, there have been recent declines in athletic participation levels. We believe that concerns and fears of head injuries are factors contributing to these declines in activity levels. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. Our product line of thin, lightweight, breathable, and practical solutions are each tested at independent and accredited laboratories. These products are patented and proven. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Hello, my name is Tyler Boone, singer-songwriter and founder of the award-winning homegrown Boone's Bourbon label out of Charleston, South Carolina. In just four years, Boone's Bourbon has been awarded some incredible awards, such as the Platinum Los Angeles, Double Gold New York, Gold Las Vegas, Silver Denver, and also named Top Six in the World in Forbes. We're also being featured in Rolling Stone magazine, Billboard magazine, American Songwriter, and we're also now available in 24 states all across the country. So Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash-strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4 barley, and at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores. Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina with my father, Mick Boone. Cheers, and we hope to see you soon. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free. 
You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. Arizona, take off your rainbow shades. Arizona, have another look at the world on mine. Arizona, cut off your Indian braids. Arizona, hey, won't you go my way? Oh. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Thank you so very much for staying with us through that very brief break. It is my honor and pleasure to be speaking with a true American patriot, uh, Mr. Ken Crow. Uh, he is here with us, and we're discussing the uh, current state of some of the campaigns he's working on. Uh, before we bring him back on, though, I have to warn you about something you already know. The surest path to tyranny is to give up your guns. The fastest way to become a victim of a crime is to not have your firearm on you when you need it. And that's why, if you're a gun owner like me, one of the biggest mistakes you can make is uh, to pick a holster that's so uncomfortable you stop carrying. That means that the instant that you are in that horrible, terrible, very no-good situation where you have to defend yourself, uh, protect your family, protect your friends and neighbors, whatever it is you may be, you are at such a huge disadvantage if you do not have your firearm with you. And that's also why Vanish Holsters is quickly becoming one of the most popular holsters in the country. They have thousands of customers out there telling you that it is the most comfortable holster, period, end of that discussion. They will not say anything otherwise. They won't even compare it to anything else. It's just that good. Several of those same customers will tell you that if you use a Vanish holster, you will never stop carrying. Uh, that's that's some pretty solid uh, uh, stipulations there. I, I tend to believe they mean it too. And uh, that's why I'm going to ask you right now to go visit www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P, and uh, see what they have to offer. That's all I ever ask from you guys. Just go check out our sponsors and see what they've got to You guys will see it. You'll like it. And the important thing about using that backslash T-A-P-P is that until the end of July, it will automatically kick in a $50 discount. Now, there will still be a discount after July, but Bidenomics – and forcing them to reduce that. So if you want to take advantage of the full 50, do it before the end of the month. In fact, I don't know why you don't go ahead and do it right now. Just visit. Use it. And uh, if you decide you're going to buy something there, you got the discount. Who can't use a discount? One more time, that's www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. And uh, now let's get back to the action. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Mr. Ken Crow. Ken, uh, we were talking about Vivek and whether or not uh, the current situation is opening up a possibility for him to make a uh, dark horse serious run at that Republican nomination. Well, uh, uh, first, well, yes, we were, but now it turns out your show's being produced by a cat. I just thought I'd let you know that. <laughs> Well, he, he's a, a co-producer, actually. Cat. He's, he's, he's affectionately known as the chair. 
<laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, folks, if you can't hear, if you don't understand what's going on, uh, I've got my phone beside my computer, and the the computer is the producer chats with me on Skype on the computer, but I watch the picture on my phone coming directly from his chair in the studio. And that's why he types me messages. That's how I knew we were coming up on three minutes and stuff like that. So anyway, that's what's going on. And the cat just took over the chair. So at any rate, yes, we were talking about Vivek. Um, all right, let me let me just lay this out. Pence, Pence is toast. I don't even know why he's running. Uh, there's no way 70 million Trump loyalists you know, who uh, froth at the mouth and, and turn glassy-eyed and all that for Donald Trump are going to support Mike Pence. He's toast. Nikki Haley, uh, who I love, she, uh, she uh, oh, my word, the, the cat's ruling the roost. At any rate, uh, you're going to have to cut that out, Doug. I, I can't do two things here at once <laughs> at any rate because this is too funny over here on the right um, Nikki Haley doesn't have the gravitas to carry an entire presidential campaign I'd like to believe she does I love her I think she's great I actually think Nikki Haley would be an incredible president if she were elected can she beat the Democrats I don't know. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't know. Um, Larry Elder, Larry who, uh, and the list goes on and on and on. Then you come to Vivek. It turns out Vivek is willing to put up for this race out of his own pocket nine digits, and he's got the money to do it, personally speaking. He can mimic what Trump did in 2016. He could put up a couple of hundred million out of his own pocket if need be. He's extraordinarily successful. But Vivek's got two things going against him in, in my viewpoint. And I don't mean this any in any way derogatorily against the gentleman. He's brilliant. I cannot wait to meet him. I love him. I love it. Meaning I love his policies and what have you and what he's saying. The problem for Vivek is, is he's Indian and you're going to have a good portion of particularly the Patriot faction that says, oh, well, his parents weren't born. You remember the T Ted Cruz deal, you know, his daddy's Cuban. He's not an American, you know, that type of argument. That's going to he's going to have to overcome that. Uh, and then he's going to have to overcome his youth. He's only 37 years old. But to look at what this guy has accomplished in his 37 years is jaw-dropping. I mean, this dude is something else. He is a he, he's a one-man wrecking machine. Um, so he's got that going for him, but in turn, it kind of goes against him. But, yes, I, I think DeSantis is on the way out. I really do. DeSantis has, he's done what Trump did. And this is just my opinion, folks. I'm just giving you my opinion. He has attacked people and gone after people that he probably shouldn't have, 
which is what the president did early on. He, I mean, he angered everybody in the media. He angered politicians. He angered everybody. And, of course, we on the right were rah, 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 tear it down, tear it down. Well, you're not going to tear it down. You're simply not going to tear it all down. I don't care who you are. It, there, it's too big. It's too massive. And it's like that elephant. You have to eat it one bite at a time. You're not going to ingest the entire elephant. And that's what Trump tried to do. Well, that's what DeSantis has done. You can't go after because people are like, well, he's he's going after uh, Disney. That, that, that's okay. No, it's not okay because it's ABC Media Empire that owns Disney. And Disney is tremendously powerful in this country. They're powerful globally, as a matter of fact. So how do you take down a $100 billion corporation, which is or more than that, actually? How do you do that? Well, that's what he's trying to do. And he's, he's made them mad, which has made the LGBTQ community mad. Well, there's only 3% of the population. No, the LGBTQ community has tens of millions of people that say, leave them alone. They're entitled to do whatever they want to do in their bedroom. Why are you attacking them? Leave them alone. You know, I don't care that Larry wants to marry Steve. I just don't want to know about it. So you have millions of those. It's like you have tens and tens and tens of millions of Americans that have never had an abortion but yet they support a woman's right. Even Republicans say, well, a woman has a right to make her own decision. Now, you and I are pro-life, and we tend to disagree somewhat with that statement. But in the end, do you really want to outlaw abortion totally in this country? And what, what about little 14-year-old Becky who has her pedophile uncle sneak into the bedroom in the middle of the night you you want her to have to carry this child and destroy her you know so you know the arguments tim i'm not giving you anything you don't know but but that's where vivek's he's got an innate uh, seems to me he's got an innate ability to explain this stuff out where it makes sense and his positions make sense. And he's got the money to... Right now, nobody knows his name. Well, they're getting ready to because he's spending a ton of money to get his name out there. I can tell you, he's all over Iowa. He's all over New Hampshire. And he's all over South Carolina now. It's almost like he's commuting between the three states daily. And he is, actually. So... He's going to be a national name here very shortly. And I, I see him, I, I see Trump and DeSantis destroying themselves. I see the legal aspects for, for Trump end up taking him down because there's just too much. And remember, we still have Georgia out there. And uh, Georgia's going to file charges. And that's pretty serious election interference and all. Those are felonies in Georgia. Uh, so he, he's got a problem. He's got a problem. And I see him destroying each other and Vivek coming up the middle. I'll shut up now. <laughs> no, that's fine. I, that, that's what you're here for, Ken. Now, uh, I would like to push back on a couple of things here. I, I do think that Disney 
currently is in an unprecedented position of weakness. Uh, they are flailing. Their woke content has uh, got them in a position where there's so much pushback. Uh, given where they're at right now, unless this new Indiana Jones movie really picks up some uh, box office steam, and that's not likely considering you opened up on the 4th of July weekend, a long weekend, uh, they're on par right now for their last seven movies to have lost them a billion dollars. The Disney Corporation is in disarray, and it has a lot to do with that woke uh, mentality. And uh, a lot of what you said is uh, it's absolutely correct. They are still a major corporation. They still have great reach and great power, and they are very good at telling stories, or at least they used to be. They're not near as good as they used to be at telling the story. But it still comes down to that age-old issue that uh, conservatives continue to have. We're very bad at messaging, at least at the uh, political part. It's been up to people like you and me, uh, Ken, to try to do the messaging for the party because they just don't seem to be able to do it. And I think, like you pointed out, that is what puts Vivek in a very unique position. Uh, I, I don't think what uh, DeSantis did uh, it, having to do with Disney in Florida was a bad thing, or, and I don't think he's lost that. But in media terms, the perception is being uh, shaped very differently. It goes all the way back to the don't say gay bill. There are still people in this country that think that Ron DeSantis legitimately signed a law that says you can't say gay in schools, which is far from the truth. But unless you're somebody like you or me where we're paying way too much attention to politics, they just don't know any different, and they're still dependent, so the messaging is important. Um, it is an astounding thing, though, because I didn't think I would see Trump be – uh, in the position he's at now, and he is in some serious issues with this uh, document. It, it is being caught. His ego got him <laughs> one more time, and, and while it's been a strength, it's also been a weakness for him, and I hate it. I think Trump is doing a great job, however, at taking DeSantis down, and and there are other people that are working on this behalf, some folks that I would have never expected to get so down and dirty and, and uh, into the month that uh, are telling outright fabrications about DeSantis. I mean there's plenty of true things to run on, and, and you can do this, but – uh, there's no honor amongst the, the candidates anymore, but uh, I want to give you a chance to, to finish up any final thoughts there, and I want to talk a little bit about uh, a couple of news topics while we still have a few minutes left. So any final thoughts on uh, any of what I said or any of where the uh, campaign's currently at? Well, I, I got to tell you the truth. I, I can't find any fault with anything you said. Everything you said spot on. Um, the DeSantis Disney thing will shake out. It'll work itself out one way or the other. Um, the, I do think there is a way for Vivek to win this nomination, which will be something incredible if he does. Um, the president, I'll close with the president by saying about a year into his term, I called Katrina Pearson one night, who was one of his senior aides. She was actually sitting in the Oval Office, and I said, Katrina, is there no way you can get him to stop tweeting at 4 a.m.? Her response was, Ken, 
We've taken his phone away. Ivanka took his phone away. Melania's taken his phone away. The chief of staff took his phone. I took his phone. Everybody, Kellyanne's taking his phone. Everybody's taking his phone away from him. He always gets it back or he gets another one, and we can't stop him. He's like a man possessed. And all I could do was laugh because I knew this tweeting would get him in trouble sooner or later. And lo and behold, it did. Uh, lastly, I just want to say, uh, on a local thing with you, uh, say a prayer for my son. Uh, you remember the big shooting here a few weeks ago you guys had where the dude walked into the bar body shop and shot and killed two people and wounded three others? Yeah. Well, he ended up going to the hospital. It was my son that shot him five times and stopped him. And uh, it's it's done a number on him. So say a prayer for my son, the state trooper. Absolutely. It was uh, it, That was a weird deal, man. But he told him, he said, drop your weapon. And the guy pulled it on him. And uh, he unloaded a Glock on him. So, yeah. yeah, anyway. I absolutely cannot stand these people that go out and commit suicide by cops. I mean, you're you're gutless to actually do the deed, but you're going to put somebody else in a position where they have to end your life when they come away from it feeling like there was probably something else they could have done, but you didn't give them that option. It's just... It, nothing makes me angrier, uh, short of Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you, brother. Anyway, uh, that's my that's my take on the current. I would like your listeners. This seat in Michigan is of the utmost importance, and we can win this. If I had time on this show, I could explain to you how we're going to do it. But we're going to win. But we need your help. So I'd ask everybody go to scottformichigan.com and do what you can and read the website. It's a beautiful website. All its positions are stated. There's a lot of videos on there. It's a really nice website. You'll take a look, scottformichigan.com. Go ahead, and that's my plug. Thank you. All right. All right, we need to, we need to get Mr. Scott on uh, one of our Friday night shows where we've got the largest audience uh, and, and get some. Uh, listeners to, to really hear what's going on from from him uh we'll have to work that out uh before we uh we uh, wind things down we've got about six and a half minutes or so before i need to go into my end of show monologue but i wanted to get your take on this situation with hunter biden and his illegitimate daughter uh, and just this whole ridiculous mess where they're denying her the right to use the Biden name. They reduce child support. He gets his sweetheart deal. Of course, uh, everybody's joking about cocaine in the, the White House. And at this point, I I know that there are still other people that work in that White House that may very well have had cocaine. And I think Hunter probably takes better care of his coke. Uh, than to just leave it about because he likes the stuff too much. But I just – this thing with his daughter, it, it sticks in my craw in a way that I, it surprises me how much it aggravates me. And I'm kind of glad that this is becoming a scandal because previously something like this probably would have flew under the radar. But people 
are uh, really bugged by this. And, and, you know, I feel that myself. It's just, why would you do this to this child? Just, it infuriates me. This man has had every possible privilege by virtue of that name, and he's going to deny it. And we have staffers in the White House that are being told Joe Biden does not have this additional grandchild. This is not Joe Biden's grandchild. What What's your take on all this? My take is is this number one. There, well, what what they're obviously trying to do is uh, we we deny it so it didn't happen and it doesn't exist. Well, that's not reality. My my primary feeling about this is is Joe Biden is a scumbag. He's I'm not going to say a lot about Joe because Joe isn't Joe anymore. I mean, let's be real. Joe's out to lunch. He doesn't even really know what's going on anymore. Hunter, on the other hand, is a piece of crap. I'll be honest. That, that's how I feel about it. it it's, look, if you're going to go out and do what you did, then you be a man, you stand up, you accept your responsibilities, and you do not punish the child for being a, a piece of crap. You stand up and you do what's right. You you pay the child what the judge says you should pay the child. You acknowledge the child. You don't try to take your name away from the child. It is what it is. That little girl is precious. I've seen pictures of her video. She is absolutely precious. How you can turn your back on that, I will never know. You, you are less, you are not a man, number one. Hunter Biden, I said it. I'll stand in your face and say it. You're a piece of crap. And you don't deserve to breathe the same air that little girl does. That's my feeling about that. As for the cocaine, there's no question it's hunters. If it wasn't, they would have already put the video out there because, you know, every square foot of that White House is covered by video. They know who did this. And Dan Bongino made an interesting comment yesterday or today about it. He said, because, you know, he was Secret Service, he said that anybody that enters that White House has to walk by a dog and go to a metal detector. Doesn't matter who you are, unless you're the president or immediate family. Then you bypass all that. You do not have to go by the dog, and you don't have to go through the metal detector. But everybody else, doesn't matter if you're the chief of staff, every morning you walk through the metal detector and by the dog when you enter to go to work. Doesn't matter who you are. And he said, there's no question. They know who put that there, and it's likely Hunter Biden because he's the only one in the family that we're aware of is a coke addict. So uh, they're covering for him once again, apparently, because if it wasn't him, Tim, they would have been out with the videos long ago. They would have said, look, look, it's the secretary. She put it there, you know, and the White House would be passing it off on the secretary. And they would have done that a long time ago, and they're not releasing any video, none. But but they're still investigating, Ken, and the Secret Ball Service will hockey. get to the bottom of it. <laughs> the Secret Service knew 10 minutes into that deal who did it. 
Yeah. There's no, you're not going to get anything like that past the Secret Service. <laughs> no, they knew. Hunter Biden's a sleaze bucket. He's a sle- He's scum. He is absolute scum. And then to have an affair with your dead brother's wife and then her daughter on top of that, your niece. I mean, the guy is scum. And yeah, then Joe uh, takes the showers with his teenage daughter. That You know, well, this family is twisted, Tim. It is absolutely twisted. I, I can't think of a better place to leave it tonight, Ken, because uh, that covers <laughs> the thing. Real quick, let everybody know where they can find your work, sir. Well, you find my work at Conservative Daily Briefing on Twitter. It's at KWR, Kilo Whiskey Romeo Crow, C-R-O-W, at KWR Crow, and ScottForMichigan.com. Go there, read, study, donate. And that's about, oh, by the way, real quick, we are having a massive event sometime in October, probably, with Vivek in Michigan and Tucker Carlson. And Sheriff David Clark will be there. We're going to have all, cool. It's going to be a massive event. And it's being held at a very a, a beautiful facility called Laurel Manor in Lavanya, Michigan, right outside of Detroit. And we're going to have the man himself, the legend, Tucker Carlson and Vivek will be on stage and Sheriff Clark. And it's a big fundraiser for ScottForMichigan.com. Sounds awesome. We'll definitely be looking for updates on that. Uh, and uh, before I, I go and do my usual thing to end things, first of all, thanks to Ken Crow for coming on and hanging out with us for about an hour. want to remind you about our friends over at Native Path with their Antarctic Krill. If you're worried about your heart memory or swollen, achy joints, they've got a supplement for you. Trust me. Uh, if It's been uh, shown to support... Uh, Blood pressure, circulation, brain health, reduces inflammation, swelling, joint pain. It's worked really well for me. Just visit FixSwollenFeet.com. Save yourself 58% right now for a limited time. FixSwollenFeet.com. I chuckle every time I say that because it's hilarious. In the meanwhile, remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take Biden's word for it. (laughs) Put yourself some effort. But most importantly... Use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Good night, everybody. Come back and see us next Friday. We'll be back. Thanks to all tonight's guests, and thank you for being here.
gun control is using both hands. Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep. To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep. Stalin, Hitler, Mao, Amin, and Pol Pot. They told us things that you never forgot. Is using both hands. Well, I prefer the freedom wing to the tiny two to three. Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family. Is using both hands.